So anybody in here old enough to remember the show, Mr. Ed? A lot of us. So um, that was an awesome, yeah. <laughs> Scott was like acting like a horse back here. Um, they had this awesome theme song that I won't sing for you because I don't sing very well, but um, I do remember that the owner's name was Wilbur, and Mr. Ed was always telling him, Wilbur. You know, talking animals have been around really since almost the beginning of time. Maybe not real talking animals, but we have used them to entertain us. Um, we've used them uh, to help us tell stories. So um, they appear really almost as far back as humanity can remember. We have had animals in stories and literature and folklore that have talked to us. And they're often used uh, as a metaphor for people. So if you lived in a country that was less free than ours, uh, you might make up a story about a talking gopher to talk about your dictator or your king they have been pranksters, tricksters, deities throughout history. We have seen talking animals in all kinds of roles. So the Bible has two incidences of talking animals. Anybody know what the first one is? The serpent, that's right. And then there's Balaam's donkey, right? That's one you've read a whole lot. Have we done Bible studies on Balaam's donkey? I, I hadn't seen the video series yet, but it's an interesting text. So if you're doing our grand sweep readings, you have been in the book of Numbers for a couple of weeks now. And there's really some great and interesting stories. And I am really actually very fond of the story of Balaam and his donkey. So I'm going to read the text for you, but first I just want to catch you up sort of on where we are in that text. So um, Balaam is living amongst the Midianites and some others, and the, the Jews are approaching the promised land. And uh, they had asked permission of a couple of other people to pass through. And they said no, so the Israelites just conquered them. And so the king of the Moabites was Balak, was his name, and he was a little concerned that the Jews were coming. And there was this man that lived amongst them named Balaam. And Balaam was what you might call a diviner. Um, he was tight with God. And he had a reputation of being able to bless people or curse people. And the king thought it might be a good idea to have Balaam come over and to curse the Jews. And so, now remember, Balaam, he's not a Jew. He's just a guy who's kind of tight with God. It's really sort of an interesting story. And so, uh, the king sends some people to Balaam and says, come and to our kingdom and we'll give you this and you can curse the Jews for us. And so, Balaam goes and talks to God and says, hey God, they want me to come do this. Can I go? God says, nope. You can't go. Not only that, but I don't want you to curse the Jews. They should be blessed because they are my chosen people. Asked and answered, right? Well, King Balak sends uh, some more people, some more important men, 
and, and probably sweetened the pot for Balaam and said, would you please come and curse the Jews? So Balaam at this point has gone back to God and said, hey, are you sure I can't go? I mean, they're offering me all this stuff. Um, are you sure I can't go? And, and God says, okay, fine, you can go, but only when they come to get you. And so that's where our text picks up. So, oh, I forgot one thing. Balaam went and saddled his donkey and left that next morning before the, the Moabite people came to get him. So God's anger was kindled because he was going. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the road as, as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. So the donkey turned off the road and went into the field, and Balaam struck the donkey to turn it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it scraped against the wall and scraped Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck it again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me. I wish I had my sword in hand, and I would kill you right now. But the donkey said to Balaam, And I not your donkey, which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I been in the habit of treating you this way? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down, falling on his face. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? I have come out as an adversary because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me three times. If it had not turned away from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let it live. This is the word of God for the people of God. You know what my very favorite part of this story is? Balaam just talks back to his donkey like it's not a big deal. Like he's been talking to his donkey all along. That's stunning. I mean, Scripture doesn't say, and Balaam was surprised, or Balaam fell down on the ground because the donkey was speaking. He just talked to that donkey like he was talking to him all the time. I think that's hilarious. But this is actually a really interesting text. There, there's things in it that are interesting. So the question, the sort of the age-old question about this text is why is God angry with Balaam? Because God had said, okay, fine, you can go when they come and get you. And it appears that Balaam didn't wait for the people to come and get him. He just got on his donkey and rode off. And so some 
Some scholars think that that's the reason that God was angry at Balaam. Other scholars speculate other things. I mean, I think it's possible that, that God knew Balaam's heart and knew that Balaam had decided he wanted to go anyway and was going to go. Maybe that's why God was angry. It's really not clear, but what is absolutely clear is that God had a plan, and Balaam was part of it. Now, Balaam wanted to do something that wasn't really at that moment a part of God's plan, which was go to King Balak. God allowed him to do that. You know, it's interesting in this text because what you see is free will at work. While God did give him permission, it's pretty clear to me that Balaam wanted to go. Maybe there was just really a sweet financial offer for him. Maybe it was something that was, was just really tempting to him. And God let it happen. We see that our God, the God of the universe, the God who can do anything, gives us a choice, gives us free will. I mean, we have the capacity to choose to love God or not. We have the ability to choose the gift of salvation that God has given to us and to the world or not. Heck, we even have the ability to say God doesn't exist, which to me is just so silly. But we still have the free will to do that. But what this text also tells me is that God doesn't have a plan, a, a plan B. He has a plan A. God will accomplish his will with us or without us with us working with him or not. God will accomplish it. And that's exactly what happened in this story. So he goes to King Balak, and the Jews come, and rather than being cursed, the Jews were blessed three times by Balaam. And so God's plan of having the Jews blessed happened. So God does not have a plan B God always makes plan A work, no matter how we might mess it up. What is also very clear to me is that the real donkey in this story is Balaam. I mean, can you imagine how he felt when, well, he wasn't surprised when the donkey talked to him. We've already figured that one out. But, but can you imagine how he felt when he saw the angel of the Lord standing there with a sword saying, if it wasn't for your donkey, I would have killed you already? What a donkey. We can be like Balaam. See, Balaam didn't really know what was going on. He thought he did. 
He thought his, his donkey was just being stubborn or something, right? So, so he made this assumption that he knew what was going on and as a result beat his donkey and would have killed him if he'd had his sword. We can be like that. In our lives, we can jump to conclusions without having all of the information, thinking we've got it figured out, we know what's happening. I mean, how many of you as parents have heard your child doing or talking about something and you come and you step in and you go, no. And then you find out the rest of the story and you kind of got to go, well, oh, okay, sounds all right. I'm sure none of you had to do anything like that. It can happen to us in our church life as well. We hear rumors about XYZ is happening at the church, and so we insert ourselves into uh, something that is going on, and we don't have all the information. It can happen in our lives. It can happen in our church life. It can happen in our work life. Heck, we see it on TV every day. I mean, how many times have we seen a video come out of something, and we're all going, oh, yeah, he's, he did it. He's guilty. Oh. And then the rest of the other videos come out, and, well, maybe not so much. So this is happening in our lives. We see it on TV. But I'm also here to tell you it can happen to us in our spiritual lives. We don't really get to see with God's eyes, do we? I mean, we try. We try to be Christ-like. But, but the truth of it is, we just can't see like God sees. I mean, you know, he, he's not limited by time. I mean, think about that. And so we make decisions based upon not all the knowledge that we have. And it seems to me that, that a lot of the inserting of ourselves into situations really comes down to a lack of trust. We don't trust what we're seeing on TV. We don't trust maybe what our children are telling us. Maybe we don't trust the leaders of our church. Maybe we don't trust our government officials. We don't think that they're going to do what's right. Maybe just what's right for them. And maybe sometimes we don't trust God. Because we can't see the whole picture. And it's hard to trust God. I mean, I understand. I mean, every Sunday, I come up here, and I trust that God will do something with the words that come out of my mouth. And it's kind of scary. I mean, I, I write my sermon, and I have a plan, and I'm like, oh, this is what I want them to get out of this. I want them to walk away with, gosh, if God can use a talking donkey, surely God can use me. 
And so I have this plan, right? And so I'm at the, at the back of the church, and, and y'all are leaving, and somebody says, Pastor, that was a great sermon. That story you told about the dog changed my life. <laughs> I mean, it was a transition from one point to another. It wasn't even the main point. But I trust. And it's hard. I trust that God will do something good, hopefully, with what I say on Sunday mornings. I get it. People can be hard to trust. So, so that's why it's incumbent on us to act in trustworthy ways. Us as leaders of our church, us as leaders in our community, leaders of our families. We need to behave in ways that elicit trust in us. So I was listening to a, a contemporary Christian song. Contemporary might be a stretch. The song's almost 20 years old. But it, it's one of my favorites, and it's by a woman named Jenny Owens. And she's blind. So I think she's got a trust in a lot of things, right? And, and she has this song called, I Am. And it's where she looks at the stories of David and Goliath and Moses and Mary. And each one of them, you know, Moses says, well, who am I? I'm just a guy. I don't even speak that well. And then when she's talking about David, he said, really, God? You're going to send a boy up against a giant with five stones and a sling? And then Mary, I, I'm just a young girl. But this is the chorus to that, and this really has become sort of uh, my theme song for my ministry these 20 years. And this is God speaking. It's not your problem, God replied. I, I can do anything. There's a bigger picture you can't see. You don't have to change the world. Just trust in me. I am your creator. I'm working out my plan. And through you, I will show them I am. Not your problem. Whatever God is calling you to do, the obstacles that you see, they're not your problem. God says, just trust in me. I'm working out my plan through you. So as we go out into the world this day, I want you to think about how you can trust God. And that when you come across these seemingly insurmountable issues or problems. It's not your problem. Just trust in God. After all, 
If God can use a talking donkey to make his plan happen, surely God can use you. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, help us to trust you. Help us to not let the huge problems that face us keep us from trusting you. You are our creator, and you have a plan. God, we so want to be a part of that plan. Give us the courage to go from here. Give us the ability to trust you that we may be a beacon of love and light for this world and for our community. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.